What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 32 of My Social Life. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly, and before we jump into today's conversation with Gracie Gordon, aka Hungry Blonde, there's a couple things we need to go over first. Number one, make sure you leave a rating and a review if you enjoyed today's episode. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more it helps new people find the show. And if you're one of those people that have recently found the show, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe to stay tuned for future episodes. And to everybody listening, make sure you screenshot this, post it to your Instagram story, tag at my social pod, and I will feature you on the account and send you a message as well. Now, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Hungry Blonde. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is a podcast where you can hear the stories behind the people on social media. And today I'm joined by Gracie Gordon. You might know her as Hungry Blonde. She's a food blogger based out of New York City with over 50,000 Instagram followers. And if you're wondering, yes, we were originally supposed to record when we were in New York, but life gets in the way, scheduling, timing didn't line up. But we're lucky enough to have her here today. She's on a mission to inspire women to embrace food, freedom. Gracie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jacob. I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad we made it work. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> glad that we are able to set this up. Uh, so I, where I want to start this is kind of what I said the intro is you're on a mission to inspire women to embrace food freedom. So what yeah. is food freedom? So food freedom, first and foremost, it really does vary person to person, right? So everyone's version of food freedom in my opinion, is different. So for some people, that might look like having zero restrictions, really just kind of eating intuitively, um, listening to body signals about hunger and all of that. Um, that's what my version of food freedom looks like. But I know that a lot of people, their version does look like eating plant-based or paleo or following some sort of, um, some sort of diet lifestyle. But when it comes down to it, it's not about the food. It is about the mental and emotional relationship with food. And just like the term food freedom insinuates, feeling completely free around food. So having no sense of being in bondage to it or having to follow certain rules um, and just feeling like uh, food is a part of life and not all of it. Mm So how did you kind of get involved with, like, I don't know if championing is the right word, but kind of getting behind the food freedom movement? Yeah, so uh, pretty much in, I guess, the end of high school or college, as most girls do, I started um, being more concerned about my body and and trying different diets and whatnot and getting more into exercise and that sort of thing. And I had good intentions, but um, our diet culture is just so all or nothing. And so it just became more of a part of my life than I wanted it to, right? Um, It became more of, I guess, like, I would say an obsession of sorts. And so, but I thought that was normal, because everyone I knew was on a diet, and it was all over the culture and social media, and it's all everyone was ever talking about. So I thought this was normal. Um, And so I carry that into my 20s. And I would say, about four or five years ago, I kind of had this breaking point where it's just like, wow, these diets that I'm often on all the time have way too much space in my mind. They have way too much control over the decisions that decisions I make, um, my social life and just my day to day life. I don't want this to be such a forefront of my thinking. 
And so I had this moment where, and I remember the moment I was actually kind of strange, but I was, I was in a bubble bath. I was lying there and I think I had just failed one more diet. And I thought, I just never want to feel this way again. And so clearly what I'm doing is not working. Let me try something new. And so I made it a mission to just never diet again. And I started doing research and I found books like the book Intuitive Eating and the book Food Freedom Forever. And um, I kind of formed my my own version of food freedom. And then And then it became my mission once I felt that freedom and how much my life changed for the better. I already had the platform of Hungry Blonde growing. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to embrace this opportunity to share my experience with other women. Mm-hmm. And then so I've seen you say how like you're not a chef, you're not a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. So how did you kind of build trust with your audience, pushing like a, the food freedom movement kind of without that background? Absolutely. That's a really great question. And that's actually something that is very important to me because the term influencer these days is used so frequently and um you know it can be thrown around a bit and also misunderstood a lot um but for me it really comes down to making sure that I'm very clear that I'm not an expert I don't have any education medical training or anything like that and what I share is my story my personal experience and I'm doing that with the intention of of encouraging other women to find their story and find what works for them. And so in all of my blog posts about freedom, I always make sure I have, you know, a disclaimer about that. And um, yeah, like I said, like earlier, it's everyone's version of food freedom is going to look different. There's no one size fits all. And so I'm constantly reminding people that um, it, it's it's a journey and it's all about experimenting and finding what works for you. Mm-hmm. So with it not being like one size fits all, like how do you kind of go about making content so that it fits everyone's different version of food freedom or if maybe Definitely. you don't? Yeah. So like I said, I share my personal version of food freedom, which is no restrictions. Um, with that being said, I do eat healthfully most of the time and I'm very transparent about that. So being transparent and authentic is the number one most important thing to me. I am just always sharing my day-to-day, my lifestyle. Um, but with that being said, I will still share recipes or things I've learned from maybe different diets or lifestyles um, because I know that there are some people that follow me that that is what works for them. And so I'm just always being mindful of not not being all or nothing, not adopting or preaching black or white thinking, and just letting people kind of make their own decisions and and my experience just as being one more voice of maybe helping guide them along. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. So where do you find your recipes? Because I've seen you post a ton of like delicious looking food. And I just wonder, like, <laughs> how do you find all the different recipes that you make? Yeah, it's, it's all sorts of things. So I mean, first of all, I just make things that I like eating. So that's obviously the first inspiration. And then um, I spend a lot of time on Pinterest. So I'm always looking for inspiration through that. And I'll kind of see things and think, oh, that's a great idea. Maybe I'll put my own little twist on that. And then, of course, um, following other people on Instagram is such a huge inspiration. So I kind of just take all of those things combined and think, 
I don't know. What am I in the mood for? <laughs> and kind of go with that. Yeah. So I kind of want to go back to the pre-Hungry Blonde days to Girl Meets Life. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find almost anything about it on the internet. Can you tell me a little bit about the blog and why you started it? Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to find stuff on it now because I, I ended up, um, you know, forwarding Girl Meets Life to Hungry Blonde a couple of years ago. But basically, I got my start in the blogging world, gosh, in over 10 years now, uh, or maybe about 10 years ago. Um, I was a recent college graduate and I really just wanted to get some experience with writing. I was a journalism major. I wanted to potentially get a job in journalism when I moved to New York. And so I started a blog. I'd been reading other blogs and this was pre Instagram. So blogs were like the thing and and people were posting, gosh, like two, three times a day. And so I started it really just as a hobby to share my experiences and Girl Meets Life was a much more lifestyle focus, so there was still a lot of food content, but it was also just things I was loving, fashion, dating, whatever. Um, And around the time that I moved to New York, it really just started taking off. I just gained a lot more traction, um, and I think people were just really interested in in my move and what it looked like to be a young 20-something uprooting her life and moving to New, New York with no real plan at the time. And so then that blog just started to grow and grow. And I started having my first brand partnerships and stuff like that. And I was working, uh, you know, real jobs at the time and blogging on the side. And then over the course of a couple of years, I, I started to become more and more passionate about food, both healthy living, but also kind of the restaurant scene in New York. And so I started Hungry Blonde as an anonymous Instagram account. And just to kind of test the waters. And it was just kind of like a fun side thing for me. And that took off on its own as well. Um, That was actually anonymous at the time. And so I started gaining all of these followers. And then I thought, gosh, maybe there's something to this whole food focus. And so I decided to switch my blog from Girl Meets Life to Hungry Blonde. And yeah. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. So did you change the name of your original website? Did you launch all new website and all new social channels and everything when you made that switch? Yeah, I, for the most part, made everything a fresh start from scratch. Um, I, I definitely had um, an easy kind of rollover, like a lot of people that followed me once they found out that I had a new blog, they, they jumped on it and started following me and following the new journey. But it was it was a pretty big transformation. I really wanted it to, and I wanted it to be, I wanted to, you know, close the chapter on Girl Meets Life and start a brand new one. And so I really, I'm glad that I did that as well, even though it did, I will say it probably took a little bit more work to kind of build up again from the ground up. It kind of, it was refreshing in a way. Yeah. Like how was that transition? Were there any challenges you weren't really expecting when you went from more lifestyle to food blogger? Yeah, definitely. I mean, just having a niche in general is, it comes with, it's, it makes a lot of things easier because, you know, you have a very targeted theme. And so all of your content is basically around this one topic. Um, But it's difficult for me because I'm somebody who I do love sharing, you know, my life and things outside of just food and wellness. Um, and so I think that over the years, though, I have kind of found that happy balance of 
sharing things about my life and allowing my followers to feel like they're getting to know me and see some behind the scenes, but still making food and wellness that that primary focus. And that was actually one of my goals in, in switching from Girl Meets Life to Hungry Blonde is I, I did get to a point um, in my mid-20s where I began to value my privacy more. And I think that's something I talk about a lot is finding that balance between being transparent and being authentic, but having things in my life that I do keep private and I, you know, don't air for the whole world to see. Mm -hmm. That's fair. So how do you kind of balance between, because I know you still, like you said, do some, I don't know if lifestyle content's the right word, but on Hungry Blonde. So how do you balance between all your food content and the occasional lifestyle post? Yeah. So it was kind of a process. I, I figured out um, maybe a year ago, I realized that if I wanted to begin integrating, integrating more lifestyle content, I had to almost train my followers in a sense to expect that because I didn't want to just throw all of this new content at them and then think, what is this? Like, I'm not following her for lifestyle content. I'm following her for food. And so I started to put posts in here and there and just kind of introduce them to the idea of, Hey, I'm going to start sharing more lifestyle content. And I even asked, like, is this something that you guys are interested in? And the answer was an overwhelming yes. And so over time, I've just started to, you know, put a little bit more in here and there. And now it's, um, it's a pretty big part of Hungry Blonde. And I think that it has um, definitely deepened my connection with my followers, which is what I was really going for. So I'm really happy that it worked the way it did. Yeah. And so do you put lifestyle content on your blog as well? Or is it mainly Instagram focused? Both. I would say that it's more Instagram focused because Instagram is, I still love blogging and writing, you know, actual blog posts. Uh, it's an, it's an art form that is not as prevalent as it used to be. And I, I still do love it. But what I love about Instagram is, you know, it's a, it's a daily thing. It is, it's kind of just like checking in with your friends a couple of times a day being like, Hey, how are you guys doing? Here's what's going on. And I also, I've grown to love, uh, writing Instagram captions. It's I, a lot of times I write almost mini blog posts in my captions because I feel like it's a fun way to connect with people that might have a shorter attention span than reading an entire blog post. So that's something I've really embraced. Yeah. So how like short are your Instagram captions? Cause I feel like the attention span of the average Instagram user isn't very long. So like, do you get a couple paragraphs in there? Is it usually just like a couple lines? It really varies. I, I do a longer Instagram caption, maybe about once a week or so. Um, because I, it, once again, it goes back to finding that balance. I don't want to overwhelm people with super long captions, every single post. And so some posts I keep short and sweet and might make them a little cheeky. Um, uh, the length in caption does, if, I, if I'm sharing like a recipe, sometimes I'll put the recipe in the caption. So that obviously makes it longer. But um, sometimes I'll, you know, just share stories or certain things that have been on my heart or mind a lot lately that I think might be inspirational to my followers. So that's when I'm like, you know what, I'm going to make this one a little bit more lengthy. And, and the response is usually really great. Mm -hmm. And so what's like your process kind of for making an Instagram post? Cause I feel like there's a misconception where people thinks, think it's easy. Like how long does it take you from when you have an idea or you find a recipe you want to make all the way to the point where you post, like how long does that take and what's that process like? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, 
I definitely plan out my content ahead of time, but I always leave flexibility because I think there's really something to be said for sharing things as close to real time as possible. Um, but obviously with sponsored content and things like that, it's, it's something that needs to be planned more in advance. So if there's, let's say a recipe, for example, typically there's, depending on whether it is a sponsored post or not, there can be anywhere between a couple of days to two weeks of kind of scheduling that out. Um, but then, like I said, within that, within a week, I try to include at least three or four posts that are, are pretty real time that I, I either took the photo that day or the day before um, and just trying to keep it as, as real as possible. Um, but yeah, like I said, and I'm sure, I'm sure you'll probably ask your next question will be about this, but the, the sponsored content definitely makes for more of, you know, having to schedule things out ahead of time. Yeah. So do you remember your first sponsored post and like how that came about? I could not tell you if I tried <laughs> going back cause going back, you know, I had them on girl meets life and they were just blog posts. My first sponsored post on Instagram, gosh, I actually have no idea. That's a really good question. It makes me, <laughs> I'll want to go back and look. I, I don't remember. Yeah. Do you have like, what are some of the like highlights, like the top companies you've worked with so far? Yeah. Um, I've loved working with Whole Foods because that was just a super organic collab. Um, let's see who else I partnered with Adidas. Um, definitely brands that I already have loved and used are my, obviously my favorite ones to work with. Um, and also I love partnerships that are ongoing. So not just like one-off things, but you know, we've really loved working together so we continue it. Um, I also love working with brands that I didn't use previously and I give them a try and I end up really loving it. So for example, um, right now I'm working with a brand called detox organics. It's a kind of like a superfood, uh, chocolate, uh, powder. And I've been making the shakes in the morning and this, <laughs> this is not a plug. I mean, it is a plug for them, but this is not part of my campaign with them. But I just, I genuinely, I started using the product and I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I've never liked having shakes in the past. And so the fact that I actually am enjoying this, I'm feeling great. It was really cool that I was introduced to this product to potentially work with them. And I ended up loving it and really incorporating it in my own life. And so I love that. And I really try to make that the case with every brand that I work with, because like I said before, it's so important for me to be transparent and authentic. And yes, you know, I'm, I'm getting paid for some of this content, but it's still authentic and it's still products that I love and truly stand behind. So that's something I really, really make a point to stick to. Mm -hmm. And then, so how do these brand deals come about? Do you reach out to companies or do they reach out to you? Is it a bit of both? Like what's it look like? Yeah, it's a bit of both. Um, I, I get reached out to by brands pretty often. They email me, they DM me. Um, we come up with some, some sort of collaboration option. Um, and it really varies depending on the brand. I love, I love to work with brands and really have a conversation. And, you know, a lot of times they approach me with a specific campaign, but I, it's so important for me to tie in 
my hungry blonde authenticity and, and share my story. And so even if they have a very specific campaign, I'll often say, Hey, I love this idea. Like there might be a, a couple of tweaks that I would like to make to just make sure that this stays true and organic to, to the story that I'm trying to tell. Um, and I find that that really has worked well and helps actually build the relationship even stronger with those brands. Um, I also reach out to brands pretty frequently, uh, you know, I'll, I'll shoot them a DM and just be like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I just shared your product to my Instagram story. I love it. I use your product all the time. Like, let me know if you have any, you know, collaboration, uh, part or partnerships coming up that we can work on together. Um, yeah. So I would definitely say it's like a balance of the two. Mm -hmm. And do companies usually go for it when you've posted like their product already on your Instagram story or do they kind of look at it as like once you've posted, it's like, oh, they're already promoting it. We don't need to collaborate because they're already doing it. Or do they usually go for it when you like have posted the product already? Uh, I've had, I've had both happen. I've had brands, you know, a lot of brands still are kind of in startup mode and they just don't have a budget for it. And so I totally understand. I'm, I have, very much made it a point to remove the stigma of of sponsored content both with the brands and with my followers it's like my whole thing is this is the world we live in now i have my platform like how can we how can we team up in ways that are mutually beneficial so if i reach out to a brand and like i have no problem posting about brands on my stories that i'm not working with because I'm happy to help them grow. And like, if they have the budget, I'm sure they would want to work together. And a lot of times they do, but if not like going back to being authentic with my followers too, like I'm not going to not post about a product just because they're not paying me. Like that would just be stupid. So I, I definitely am, you know, finding the balance between that. Yeah. And then, so kind of doubling back to where you were saying how it's better when brands kind of give you a little creative freedom. So it's beneficial for both parties. What are some other like best practices for brands when they're collaborating with creators like yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. I would definitely say that giving creative freedom is the absolute most important thing. Um, I obviously know that they're looking for certain key messaging and, and stuff like that. So I understand that, but I think that um, you know, having, having a conversation with a, an influencer or a brand is, I think something that is, is not done as much as it should be even getting on the phone. Like I love having a phone call with somebody at the company or brand that I'm working with. And like hearing somebody's voice can really make such a huge difference and forming a relationship with that person. Um, so I think that that's like a really great first step. Um, let me think what else I would also say for, for brands to really, as they're shaping these campaigns, um, looking for influencers that have a very unique voice and not necessarily looking at just their numbers, because I follow certain influencers that have, you know, maybe 10,000 followers or, or even less, but they have some of the most loyal followers and great engagement that I've ever seen. And I do think that brands are starting to notice that, but I think that, um, that it's definitely a value to look for maybe these micro influencers. I mean, I would consider myself a micro influencer, but even, even smaller that, um, have these connections with their followers that are really valuable. Mm -hmm. So is hungry blonde, like your full-time job or do you have like a 
day job on top of Hungry Blonde? Hungry Blonde is my full-time job. I I do a couple of things on the side. I do a little bit of consulting for startups and I have a jewelry line that I've had for the past like four years that I do on the side as well. Um, and that switch kind of took place over the past year and a half because I was doing consulting and social media management full-time for gosh, over five years. And, uh, and Hungry Blonde was still kind of like my side thing. And I, I made the transition about two years ago, which was really exciting. Yeah. And how, like, how did that transition go from consulting to full-time? I don't like the word, I know a lot of people don't like the word influencer, but it's just so widely accepted as like a right, general right. term. Like <laughs> how was that transition from consultant to influencer full-time? Yeah. So I actually remember the day <laughs> that I was like, you know what? It's time. And I, at, at that time, I did not have a lot of work lined up for Hungry Blonde at all. Like it was, you know, I wasn't in the worst position. I had some money saved and I had a plan of action, but I did not have, you know, this running lineup of brands running after me to work together. Cause at that point I, I also didn't have that huge following. I, I especially didn't have a big enough of a following that anyone at the time was going full time with. Um, but I was at the point where I was just like, you know what? It's one of those things where I have to take the leap. I have to take the risk and I still want to be responsible, but I'm, I think I just need to go for it and, and give something my full attention and trust that, you know, being able to put my full time attention and energy into this is what's going to, is going to bring that work in. And so I, I started to, I made it about a two month process and I started to one by one tell the brands that I was working with on the consulting side, that I was going to transition out of that. And so one by one, I kind of ended those um, relationships. I made sure they were lined up with someone else and, and I really wanted to end things well with them. And eventually I, you know, I got down to just like two clients and I was doing Hungry Blonde mostly full time at that point. And then, and then just kind of went from there. And I, I had more energy to begin reaching out to brands and working with a manager and kind of building out Hungry Blonde into what it has become now. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And then, so with the consulting life, is, was it just purely social consulting or like what kind of services do you provide for companies? Yeah, it was primarily, it was primarily social. Um, I started getting a lot more into consulting specifically with influencer marketing, because I obviously had a lot of insight from, from that end of things. And also just, uh, you know, some standard branding concepts and, and hosting events and stuff like that. I've kind of been all over the place with that sort of stuff since I've lived in New York. So over the years, I've just gained insight of what I've seen work, what I've seen not work. And so I kind of just kind of help brands along with that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And then so with Hungry Blonde being your full-time job, how do you balance sponsored content versus organic non-sponsored content on your feed? Because obviously you don't want to post every single post to be sponsored. It's like, how do you balance that? Definitely. Well, first, first of all, I have really made it a point to make my sponsored content as organic as possible so that, you know, the goal is for people to not even notice. Obviously they're going to because there's the ad hashtag and stuff like that. So I get it, but getting to the point where at least my followers trust me enough to know that even if something is sponsored, there still is that realness to it. 
Um, so that would be the first thing. But with that being said, I would say I try to keep the sponsored content to one or two posts a week and, and really keep the rest organic and, um, and, and going back to kind of like those longer captions. Like I try to make sure I have at least one post a week that's more inspirational and about me and kind of, um, giving that side of things as well. Mm -hmm. And then, so I'm curious as to your opinion, especially for like up and coming bloggers, where you land on with doing a sponsored post, but just for exchange of product. Oh, that's a good question. You know, I, I don't, yeah, I think, I think that's great. I think that anything you can do to build relationships with brands and and get practice and experience with doing sponsored posts and doing it in a way that is authentic. Um, I think that's a great thing. I, like I said before, I definitely think that it's important to work with brands that you really love and truly support and stand behind. I mean, I can't tell you how much work I've turned down because I just, it's not in line with my lifestyle. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that, um, at the same time, it's still very important to know your value and know your worth. And I think that a lot of up and coming influencers think, oh, I can't start charging until I have this many followers or, you know, I can't start working with brands until I'm at this point. And I tell them, you have to start somewhere. And, and I'm very big on uh, <laughs> one of my biggest pieces of advice for people, whether they're, you know, getting into blogging or anything is... I'm a big believer in faking it until you make it. So believe in your value, believe in the message that you have and that it's a message that no one else can share, that you're the only person that can really do what you're doing. And if you believe that in your mind and can really bring that value to both brands and your audience, then they're going to start believing that too. And, and that's where I think the real growth can happen. Mm -hmm. And then speaking of growth, so like what were some things that you did when you first started both uh, Hungry Blonde and Girl Meets Life that kind of helped you scale those accounts? Because you've done it multiple times now. So clearly you have some kind of method that works. So what are some tips that you would give to help people grow? Yeah, definitely. So I think it's a combination of so obviously I think it's very important to know what your audience wants. Right. So I'm constantly looking at my posts. I'm seeing what is doing the best engagement wise, what people are state, what posts people are saving the most is a very, very useful tool I found. So I'm, I'm paying attention to obviously the numbers and certain posts that perform better, I'm going to continue doing. So that's just kind of like the strategic side of things, but then balancing in posts and, and, and even stories sides of my life and that authenticity. I feel like at the end of the day, people follow people. So yes, you want your content to be something that people are saving and making the recipes and stuff like that. But deep down, people want to feel like they're connecting to a real human being. And so also sharing that information about myself and things that I'm going through, things that are kind of going on behind the scenes of my life. I definitely saw a huge, um, lots of growth happen once I kind of embraced that more. 
Mm-hmm. And then, so when it comes to brands, like how would you, what would your advice be for brands to kind of show that human side? Because if people follow people, it's kind of hard for brands. Do you have any advice for companies on social as to how to show the more human side? Yeah, I mean, like we talked about before, with brands embracing the kind of influencers telling their own story, I think it would be very, very wise for brands to come up with a campaign still and like have kind of the angle that they're going for, but then reaching out to these influencers and saying, Hey, how does your story fit into this kind of narrative that we're trying to tell? And for me, if I was approached by a brand and some, and sometimes I am, and I get really excited about it because I'm like, Oh, this is such a great opportunity for me to not only work with this brand that I love, but also share a story that's going to allow me to connect with my followers it really is the best of both worlds. And so I think that's a really, really great um, angle for brands to go about it. Mm-hmm. And then so when you were growing Hungry Blonde, was there ever a time like once you'd kind of done the face reveal? Did you do a face reveal? Because I know it was anonymous at first. I did. Yeah, yeah I did. So once you'd done that face reveal, did you ever start to get recognized in public at all? <laughs> I do sometimes. Yeah, it's really funny. And I mean, most of the time, it's funny because I actually do feel like people recognize me more often than they might say something because I'm, I'm at places a lot that I know my followers go to as well, whether it's like fitness classes or restaurants, but I'm most often um, approached when I'm in like a bar because I I feel like when people are drinking, they're more likely to just like, Hey, hungry blonde, I follow you. Um, And I, actually nothing makes me happier. Like it's so fun for me. I love meeting my followers. So if any of them are listening, like, please come say hi to me. Even if I'm like walking on the street, I love meeting people in real life. Um, yeah, it's awesome. It's really fun. (laughs) Do you remember the first time someone recognized you in public? Yes. I was actually in the Hamptons, which I, I do get approached a lot more in the Hamptons, I guess, because it's kind of like a smaller pool of people that go out there. (laughs) And so, um, I was, I was on a dance floor with all of my friends and a, and a girl came up to me and actually, I think this was, uh, still when I was blogging with uh, girl meets life. Okay. And, uh, she came up to me and said, hi, and we gave each other a big hug. I think we took a photo together and that was really fun. That's awesome. And then do you have any, like, who's your most famous follower? My most most famous follower. Yeah, I'm always curious to ask, like, who's the person that followed you that you were like, holy shit, like, this person just followed me on Instagram? Oh, oh, the Skinny Confidential. And you know what? She, gosh, she has maybe like 700,000 followers now, maybe more. I'm not sure. But she has been such an inspiration to me for years. Um, I met her once when she did a meetup here in New York. And, um, yeah, she's just super cool. She's very down to earth. And she actually recently, and this is one of the reasons I love her because she's, she's huge, but she's so connected with her audience. It's like insane. She does the best job of it. And she recently did an Instagram post where she, in the actual caption of the post listed out like a dozen up and coming bloggers to follow. And I was one of them. And it was like the highlight of my life. I got thousands of followers from it like it my growth just like totally went up and that was really exciting obviously um but even more so just having kind of 
the recognition from somebody that has been such an inspiration to me was just like incredible. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. How long ago was that? Because I've heard people say that like shout outs, they don't get many followers anymore when it happens. That was recent. That was within the past month. Um, but yeah, I was the, I mean, she has a huge following and, and not only does she have a huge following, but her audience like actually listens to what she has to say. So I think that's a huge reason why the shout out was very effective. That's awesome. Did you message her at all or anything after she'd shouted you out? Or has there been any communication? Uh, I don't think I DM'd her, but I commented and just said like how meaningful it was to me and all of that stuff. And she, and what's really cool too, is like, not only does she follow me, but like, she likes my posts. Sometimes she'll comment on them, which I just think is awesome. And like, just on that note, like something I've noticed, I don't have anywhere near as many followers as her, but like something that's always been very, very important to me. And my followers have actually responded to me that this resonates with them is I, without a doubt, respond. And hopefully I never grow too big where I can't do this, but I respond to every single DM. I barely let a DM go unnoticed. I'm sure once in a while, some slip through because I just miss it. But I really, really make it a point to just reply in some way. Um, you know, I don't, I, I know that I personally get not upset, but like when I DM somebody and they don't respond, it's confusing to me. I'm like, this is a form of communication. It's social media. Like we're, it's, it's, it's called social for a reason We're we're, you know, it's a responsibility, in my opinion, as a blogger or influencer, that if someone is reaching out to me with a question or a comment, I should respond to them. It's important. So yeah, <laughs> no, that's good. That's awesome. Um, what was I going to say next? You mentioned earlier that like you schedule out all your content. Mm-hmm. So do you have like a day where you just like bake a bunch of different recipes and take all the photos just to kind of get bank, like bank up your content? You know, I used to do that and I hated it. I, I really hated it. Not only did I not like the actual process of it, but it just felt very inorganic to me. And I, this is not, I don't want to diss anyone by any means, but like I've followed certain accounts where like, like they would post something that it was Clear, or they would make insinuate something that they didn't make it that day, but like almost posting it as if it was from that day. And it just seemed, you know, like I said, I don't, everyone has their own method and what works for them. But for me, anything I can do to remain as authentic as possible, I'm going to do it. And of course there are things that I make ahead of time, but, um, as much as I can, I try to keep things as, as real time as possible. So kind of batch cooking, um, just seemed a little extreme for me. Yeah. And then you try to post every day though, right? In the feed? I do. Yeah. I try to post once or even twice a day. Um, it ebbs and flows, but yeah, for the most part. I do. I, I typically, it's, I definitely try to make the aesthetic look a certain way, but I also don't want to obsess over it too much because at the end of the day, I know that like, bloggers and influencers and and brands will look at a feed as a whole but for from what i've heard my audience doesn't care like they they look at individual posts so they're not like looking at my feed and thinking oh this looks so curated so it's really more of a personal preference thing um with that being said i definitely use the same kind of editing and filters on photos um 
every once in a while, I'll kind of switch that up if I want like a little bit of a different look. But I also try to really balance the photos that are of me and then photos of food. So whether it's every other photo or every couple photos, plug in a picture of me, that's kind of my bigger concern. And is there a time of day you try to post or has the algorithm kind of really made it no point to try to post a specific time? The algorithm definitely made it less important, but I still aim to do a post either. I mean, even today, I just did a post at a totally random time, but um, and it seems to be doing fine. So I don't know if it really makes a difference at all. But um, typically, I try to post around nine or nine thirty in the morning. And then if I'm going to do a later in the day post around between like five and seven p.m. Yeah. But for me, I found um, and actually I shared this the other day. I found that something that works really well for me is, and I don't know if this is like an actual thing, but I've noticed a difference. Um, Every time I make a post, I make sure to do a ton of engagement right after that. So I go to all of my friends' accounts. I like them. I comment them. I'll go into certain hashtags that I follow and, and really just engage in like as much as I can. And I find that when I do that, my posts tend to perform better. That's interesting. It's like you're going to not, you're not like engaging with the comments on yours. You're going to other people right away to comment and stuff. Yeah, I do that. But I also, I'll also engage on comments. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's just interesting. I've never heard that, but I think like that makes sense. That's really cool. Like I've never heard that tip before. Yeah. I, I think I've heard it. I think I started doing that when I heard it from somebody else. And like I said, I don't know if it's like anything official from Instagram, but I do. I'm, I'm always under the impression that Instagram loves engagement, manual engagement. So don't even get me started on those like bot programs or anything like that, but cause Instagram is smart. They know, they know what's going on. They're not stupid. And so manual engagement goes a long, long way. So now you said not to get you started, but I do want to ask, like, does it bother you when you see other people kind of using those bots and stuff in the automation? It, does not bother me, but I more so want to shake them and say, you're only hurting yourself. I really do because I, so I actually, I don't think I've ever said this, but I've actually in the past with some of the brands that I was working with when I was doing social media management and consulting, when the bots first came out, like the auto liker bots, I was like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. Why wouldn't I use this? And so uh, we decided together to start using these, some of these programs for, for these accounts. And here's the thing, they work really well at first. They do, they do the job and they get you more followers and even organic, like real followers and engagement stuff like that. But eventually I just saw the engagement completely drop off. I don't know if it it created a shadow ban or whatever that is, but I just noticed that it totally backfired and these accounts totally stunted in growth. And I don't know, I just, I've seen such a better result from manual engagement that I just want to say, don't do it. Don't do the bots. (laughs) Yeah. And I know you're posting on Instagram once, twice a day. How often are you trying to put up like an actual blog post now? Uh, I aim for at least once a week. Sometimes it is less. Sometimes I only do, you know, maybe like a post or two a month. Uh, But for me, because the the blog posts are less frequent, 
it's more important for them to be of high quality. And so I think that's why I do post less on there. Um, like for example, I'm working on a blog post right now about a topic of food freedom that's really important to me. And I've been working on it for almost a week now because I really wanna make sure that I'm getting the points across that are important to me. And so it's kind of a work in progress and not just kind of like a last minute thing that I throw up there. Mm -hmm. And then so has like readership kind of gone down just over time as blogs become less popular? Is it still pretty consistent with what you're used to? You know what? It ebbs and flows. When I first switched over to Hungry Blonde, my blog got such little traffic. Um, it, it just, I, I think there was like a time period there for a couple of years where people just like didn't care about blogs at all anymore. And it was all about Instagram. But over the past year, I've seen interest in blogs go back up. I don't know why exactly that is, but I've actually seen it on both the brand and in my audience. Um, both have become more interested in actual blog posts. So that's been exciting. And, and um, I've really embraced it because I do feel like I'm one of the few influencers that not only still has a blog, but actually is you know trying to consistently post on it. Um, so yeah, over the past year, I've seen my traffic go back up, which is, is very exciting and promising. Mm -hmm. That's really good. And then how much does Pinterest kind of play into your strategy with getting readers to the blog? Pinterest still is effective. Um, I, I don't rely on it as much as I used to. So Pinterest, maybe like three or four years ago, was one of the number one drivers of traffic to my blog, both Girl Meets Life and Hungry Blonde. But they, somewhere along the line, changed their algorithm as well. And the traffic really decreased. I don't know if they're trying to promote their like their boosted posts more or what it is, but um, that was that was a little frustrating. I do see a lot of incoming traffic from um, different websites. Like I'll submit my recipe posts to different food uh, websites. Like there's one called Food Gawker. Um, I forget some of the other ones, but they they're really helpful. They're almost like they've almost replaced Pinterest in that sense for me personally. Right. I think what would be cool is if Instagram somehow incorporated some like Pinterest features with like all the, the save tab. If you could somehow like publish some of your like saved albums, it's almost be like a Pinterest board to an extent. I think that oh, would be kind of cool. I thought that would be super cool. Yeah. I might've seen, I might've, I might be headline reading, but I thought I saw something where like that might be like in the works. Don't quote me on it. Like I saw like, again, I might just be headline reading, but it was an I mean, article that about that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, Instagram, hook it up. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, they stole stories, so just steal steal that too. I know, right? Right. They steal everything and then do it better. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's your kind of take on your Facebook and Instagram strategy? Do you use them pretty heavy or not too much? Facebook, I, so yeah, it's, I'm constantly going back and forth because it's always very important to me to maintain a presence on more platforms than just Instagram. Um, with that being said, I also like to focus on what's actually working. So obviously Instagram and my blog get most of my attention. Um, I have, I have an okay presence on Facebook, but to be honest, I don't really go out of my way to create like original content for it. I just kind of share, um, the content that's already on my Instagram. The exception would be is, um, I do have a Facebook a private Facebook group for women only. It's called the My Hungry Blonde Facebook Tribe. And it's it's just a couple hundred girls, but it's kind of a little like behind the scenes 
keep it real, keep it personal little group where we chat about, um, we chat about food freedom, we chat about different life things, goals we have. And that's been a really cool way to kind of keep a little bit of a more like deeper connection with my followers that's behind the scenes and, and more private and intimate. So I really, I do love utilizing Facebook for that. That's cool. And how do you go about kind of like promoting your Facebook group or do you not really do it? Honestly, I don't promote it a ton. I think um, when I first launched it, I was promoting it more, but it's not for me. I want to keep it as real as possible. So I'm not like, come join my Facebook group. And I'm not, I'm not like saying to brands, oh, by the way, like, I have a Facebook group. It's, it's, I'm keeping it as personal within me and my followers as I can. Um, with that being said, I did do a giveaway a couple weeks ago that was specifically for the followers in my Facebook group, but that was more kind of just like to do something special for them and not really to promote it. Mm -hmm. And then do you do anything on Twitter at all? I rarely use Twitter. No, Twitter's kind of fallen off for me. I just don't think that, um, I think that I think that the different platforms work well for different things. So I think that Twitter right now is really great for like news and, and certain, certain influencers, you know, use it. But for me, it just, it was never really much of a thing. Yeah. Uh, so I like to ask this question. If you woke up tomorrow with zero followers, what would you start doing in 2019 to get everything back? Like, how would you start growing again? To get everything back. Wow. Um, I would probably do something really extreme and and like low-key maybe not even low-key but like kind of controversial in a sense not like anything you know like like weird that I wouldn't be proud of but I would do something that literally no one else is doing whether that's how my photos looked or a level of transparency. I don't know. I would just, I would come up with something. I mean, it would be hard to find something that hasn't been done yet, but that, that would be my goal to just do something that completely like shocked and surprised everyone. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask, I think I saw a photo of you and Gary V together. Yeah. Yeah. What's the story behind that? Oh, that's so funny. So I've been, um, I've been a fan of Gary V's for a really long time. I just think he is like brilliant and funny and everything he says is gold. And so, um, actually a couple of, I guess like a year ago now, my best friend, Sydney, who's, who's on hungry blonde a lot. Um, she was in between jobs and she, um, somehow ended up applying or having a connection at VaynerMedia. And I said, Sydney, oh my gosh, like, and, and this was, you know, it, it's not a super easy place to get a job. And, but I was like, Sydney, like you have to get a job at Vayner. Like it's the dream, please. Like I want to meet Gary Vaynerchuk. And like, it was kind of like an inside joke between us. And she ended up getting the job and now like sees and talks to Gary all the time. Um, however, with that story being said, that's actually not how I ended up meeting him. Um, he was in the midst of launching, um, and I'm not sure if it officially launched yet. If it didn't, it is soon to, um, Empathy Wines, which is his new brand of wines. And um, I actually got reached out to by someone else on his team to come in and kind of learn a little bit about it and get a photo with him. And so I got to meet him briefly and he was just like the sweetest guy. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really cool. Yeah, how was that interaction? Did he give you any advice? Did you ask him anything or? 
you know what? I didn't get a ton of time to talk to him. He was in between meetings and he's just like such a busy guy. Um, so I kind of just gave him like a congrats on the wine. I told him how he's been such an inspiration to me. Um, so that was really it, but hopefully I get to meet him again and maybe pick his brain about a thing or two. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So what's, yeah. what's next for you? So that is a very good question because I have a couple of things in the pipeline um, I'm kind of in the process of deciding which direction I want to go in because I'm very big on, well, first of all, I'm very big on not really necessarily announcing something I'm doing until I'm actually doing it. I think a lot of people prematurely share their plans when they don't have it in, in place just yet. Um, I also think that it's important to, you know, there's a quote that's like, you can do anything, but not everything. And so I try to not spread myself too thin and really make sure everything I'm pursuing stays in line with my ultimate goals and my brand. Um, with that being said, I'm definitely interested in getting into more video content. So I've already been posting more IGTVs. Um, I like to keep them super like low budge, low production. Like I, I don't think that anyone really cares about that with IGTVs, to be honest. I think they just want realness and just like to see the face of the people they follow. And so I don't really like edit them or anything like that. So I've been doing that. Um, but yeah, I would like to get into more video content and maybe branch out into a couple of other things that are TBD. So I'll, I'll let you be the first to know when they <laughs> Sounds good. Is there any yeah. like thought to do YouTube or anything? I know you have like a couple videos up right now. I really go back and forth on YouTube because I think that if I, so right now those videos are just, they're on YouTube just to kind of like live there. Um, and I've thought about even putting some of my IGT, IGTVs on there just to like have that, have something on YouTube. Um, but my whole thing with YouTube is like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to like half-ass it. And so that's why I haven't really made the decision to do that yet, because that would be like a huge, huge undertaking. It's not, I'm not opposed to it, but I would, I would really want to do it kind of a hundred percent, but I don't know. We, well, we shall see. That's fair. <laughs> do you have any long-term goals you're kind of going after? Um, you know, I, I do. Yes and no. I have certain, I have more kind of like goals and visions for my future, but something that I've really been trying to do because I, I can tend to be somebody that I get so caught up in future planning that I don't embrace what's actually in front of me. And I, I did that for a pretty big portion of my career so far. Um, I've really been trying to make it a point right now where I'm at to be present with where I'm at, be present with where Hungry Blonde is and fully embracing that and kind of just pouring as much as I can into that. So especially with, you know, I have this community of women that I really do feel I felt a connection with and I want to inspire them with this whole concept of food freedom. And so I really want to pour in to that as much as I can and, and kind of, you know, I have, I feel like I have a sense of responsibility with that. And I, so I don't want to let that go by the wayside. So yeah, I'm kind of just focusing on, on the present right now. And, you know, I still try to be future minded, but live kind of in the moment, yeah. which is very new for me. <laughs> I know you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but what do you hope 
people take away from your content? I hope people walk away feeling like they have a friend in me, if that makes sense. Um, it sounds a little cheesy the way I said it, but you know, I know for me, my favorite bloggers and my favorite influencers are the ones that aren't necessarily telling me how to live my life or, or giving me all of these like super intricate recipes. It's the people that I feel like I know and the people that I feel like I could hop on a phone call with and just have like a real conversation or that I can DM and they'll answer me. Um, I, that might, seem very simple, but I guess in the world of Instagram right now, where everything is so curated and so goal oriented and here's information, like information overload. I want people to come to hungry blonde and feel refreshed. And like, they don't have to suddenly change their lives in 10 steps or less. And instead just feel like they have somebody that they can relate to and, and might be going through what they're going through in life. That's awesome. Now, before we wrap up, I just want to do a quick Q&A, just like random questions that don't really fit into the regular oh. interview. <laughs> um, first question, what's a show that you're binging on Netflix right now? A show I'm binging on Netflix. I'm not currently on a show, but I did just finish watching You, and I can't decide if I'm glad I did or not. <laughs> it's like a very dark and mysterious show, so it kind of left me feeling like, what did I just watch? But it was entertaining, so I... I, I was into it. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite app? That's not Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. My favorite app is the notes app. That would be considered an app, right? Okay. I am a chronic list maker. So I'm constantly going and I have like hundreds of notes. I'm, I'm constantly like reminding myself of things, but then I also like when I listen to podcasts, I take notes on them. So I'm taking notes on podcasts. And then I also, um, when I think of something that is like inspiring me or on my mind, I jot it down as a potential Instagram caption. So I have like future Instagram captions for, for days listed on my notes app. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, who are some creators that people should go and follow? Oh, oh gosh. I wish that I uh, thought of that before. Oh my gosh. Um, creators that people should follow. Oh, I love Jara, Jara.bean. She is a New York City influencer. She used to be a soul cycle instructor. Um, and she like very transparently shared her transition out of that. Um, and now she posts like really authentic content. She has super cool style, but she is really into like empowering women. So I love her. Um, who's another one that I really love? Um, oh, Olive Eats is a new favorite of mine. I just started following her. Same thing. She's like super authentic. Um, I, I'm really into influencers that are kind of into the similar, like my whole thing is I use the hashtag real life wellness. So I'm really into influencers and creators that are doing the same thing. So yeah, Olive Eats is another one. Yeah, those are two that really stand out in my mind right now. It's awesome. What's some music you're listening to right now? music I'm listening to. I'm going to pull up my Spotify because that's like the most important topic to me. Um, my favorite band right now is jungle. So I'm definitely into them. Let's see what else here. I always love Rye. She's one of my favorite artists. Um, 
shallow. I'm, I know I'm naming kind of very obscure artists, but I have like a, a bit of a weird taste in music. Um, and then another band I'm seeing live in a couple of weeks is Mansion Air. So yeah, those are a couple little plugs in my favorites. And I have, I have playlists on Spotify that I frequently link. So people can go check those out too. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, do you have any books you'd recommend? Oh yeah. Um, right now I'm reading Digital Minimalism by Cal. Oh, where's my book? Oh, it's right next to me. Cal Newport, Digital Minimalism. It is a highly, highly informative, helpful book, but it's very challenging, but it's because it's about, um, kind of not letting technology and social media rule our lives and really determining how much of it we actually need in our lives. And so for me, as an influencer, it's obviously going to be a huge part of my day to day, but I, I'm trying to put more boundaries on it. Um, so that's what I'm reading right now. But then my favorite, probably one of my favorite books of all time, um, is the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. I just like, it totally, it changed my life. It changed the way I view not just my career, but just life in general. So that's really good. That's my favorite. Yeah. What are some podcasts that you'd recommend? Podcast I'm listening to right now. I love Earn Your Happy by Lori Harder. I love, um, let's see here. The Gold Digger podcast is a must listen, especially for influencers or people that want to be. Um, there's a podcast called The Next Right Thing. It's it's super inspirational. It's only like 15 minutes per, per podcast. And um, it's by Emily Freeman. And she kind of just gives like a 15 minute, uh, yeah, just kind of like life inspiration about what the next right thing for you is. So I love that one. Um, yeah, those are some that I'm loving right now. That's awesome. What are some restaurants in New York that you would recommend? Oh, million dollar question. There's so many, um, but probably my top, my favorites, if I had to choose would be, uh, Upland. And then I love pizza at Ruby Rosa, <laughs> um, tacos at Tacombi. Uh, let me see here. I'm actually going to look at my list really quick. Cause I don't want to miss my favorites. Can you still see me over here? Um, I love, oh, Mark Forgione and Lartuzzi. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> do you have any consistent morning and night routines? I do. I not so much at night. Uh, in the morning, I always have a dedicated one hour of just like quiet time where I meditate. I journal. I'm a huge journaler. So that's something I do daily. And then I just have quiet time where I read and I pray and I just kind of get my head on straight before, before starting the day. Mm -hmm. So you're going to dinner and you can take three people with you. It can be anybody from any point in time. Who would you take to dinner? Oh my gosh. Uh, oh my goodness. That's such a good question. Uh, Tim Ferriss. My late grandfather, who was so wise and incredible, but I, I didn't really get enough time with him. So I would love to kind of um, spend more time with him. 
And then who's the last person? You know, this is going to be a really, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but I saw a little mini interview that she did the other day and I thought it was like incredibly surprisingly inspiring is Dolly Parton. She, I saw her do this little interview the other day re really quick where she, um, she basically was talking to uh, Barbara Walters about how, how fully aware she was that people saw her in a certain way and how that actually had very little to do with the actual human that she was. And it was just very beautifully and eloquently well said. And I realized that she was actually, she's a very, very wise woman. And I would love to just chat with her. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So this question I stole from Gary and it's what are you obsessed with? But it's not from like a high level. Like it's not like I'm obsessed with food freedom. It's like I recently bought a sweater and it's so comfy. I'm obsessed with my new sweater. Like something off the wall random you're obsessed with. I'm really like looking around my room right now. Um, I know I have it. I mean, this is, this isn't like a little thing. It's kind of, it's kind of a bigger deal thing in my life, but I would say my journals. I'm like, I have like, I, I finished a journal the other day that I had been writing in for about a year. And like, it was one of the most like emotional experiences I've had in so long because like, it's so important to me and writing is so important to me that, 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 those journals are just like a huge, I'm obsessed with them. Absolutely. And, and maybe, maybe, um, actually this goes back to the, this might actually have been, should have been my answer for my favorite app. I'm obsessed with my Spotify app because my like music is just like my lifeline. So that would be another thing is that I'm obsessed with. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? The best advice is, I, I think this is from Tim Ferriss. I'm not sure it, if it's not, it sounds like it would be, but um, yeah, it's totally Tim Ferriss is uh, work smarter, not harder. I'm all about doing kind of like, uh, you know, no, how does he say it? Kind of like the minimum, his whole, his whole thing is the minimum effective dose. So like doing as little as possible to get the greatest effect or something along those lines. Yeah, <laughs> that would probably be it. What's one thing about you people wouldn't expect? Probably that I have a very deep kind of creative side to me. So like I said before, I'm like incredibly passionate about music and writing and art. Um, those are, those are things that, especially as I get older, I'm becoming more and more passionate about. So important, everybody needs to know. I would say, that having and maintaining relationships in your life and allowing yourself to be vulnerable in those relationships is probably the most valuable investment that you can make. I think that if there, I mean, any, the, some, some of the other best advice I've heard from so many people is that, you know, when they get to the end of their lives, they look back 
and they wish that they would invested more in their relationships. And so that's something that at a younger age, I'm really trying to hold on to and, and practice. That's awesome. So last question, I kind of like to flip the script and like give you the question, like what's one question you want to know the answer to about anything? Um, hmm. I mean, this kind of goes back to our chats about like <laughs> Instagram and social media and all of that. I am constantly wondering what the next big thing is going to be. I'm curious to know how long Instagram's going to be around, if there's going to be a new platform, um, mostly because I want to jump on it before anyone else does. <laughs> so that's another reason I'm always paying close attention to whatever Gary says, because I feel like he's going to be the first to know if anyone is, right? <laughs> so yeah, that would probably be my question. That's awesome. Well, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I loved it. Yeah. I just want to give you the floor, uh, plug everything and anything you have right now. Awesome. Yeah. So Instagram, I am at hungry.blonde with an E at the end. And my blog is hungry-blonde.com. And I think that's about it. Yeah. Just give me a follow on Instagram. I'm pretty active on my posts and my stories and IGTVs and um, like I said before, I love connecting with everyone. So I'm happy to answer DMs and emails and all sorts of things. Awesome. I just want to thank you once again for coming on the podcast. And thank I, you so much. This is great. Yeah. And I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. Whether you've listened the entire way through or you've only listened to bits and pieces, I really appreciate you taking the time to check this out. Do me a favor. Go follow Gracie on Instagram. Again, it's at hungry.blonde. I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below. Make sure you leave us a rating and review. And if you'd like to follow me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at the Jacob Kelly. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon.